Okay, I'm going to root, root, root. <laughs> I'm going to read even from Luke 18, and I'm going to start at verse 31. The words will be on the screen, but if you have your own Bible, you can follow along with it if you would like. So from verse 31. Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We're going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. On the third day, he will rise again. The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. And when he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his fight, his sight, and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. To keep your Bibles open if you've got them. No worries if you haven't. Today we begin a new series called The Search and hopefully uh, in your uh, outlooks on your way and you've been given one of these flyers, do use them uh, both for yourself but also to invite people along to come along uh, next Sunday or the next few weeks um, because loads of us are searching for answers, searching for hope, searching for adventure, searching for home uh, and that's the kind of stuff we're going to be looking at throughout this series so please do use those to invite uh, friends along whether they regularly come to church or not. Um, and we're going to pray as we begin, going to pray after asking that God would help us. Uh, and as we pray, it may be that in your own head and your own heart, you might like to choose to listen. I don't mean to me, but actually as we pray, asking God to help you to hear what he has to say to you. God wants to say something to you this morning. And so it's our choice, isn't it, to, to hear and so let's pray, asking that we'd hear the Spirit's still, gentle voice. Let's pray. Father, there is much going on in our lives. And Lord, whether this is familiar or not this morning, Lord, would you help us to hear what you have to say to us? We want to be changed people, Lord. We're searching for hope. Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes see that you are making all things new. Speak, we pray. We are listening. And all God's people said, Amen. Did you know there are 40,000 searches every second on Google? Which is 3.5 billion searches every day on Google, which results in 1.2 trillion searches every year. That's a lot. Do you know what the most searched for term in the UK last year was? Scylla Black. <laughs> Interestingly, in the UK, I have to say. And apparently the top questions in 2015 in the UK were these. Number five, the fifth most popular question was how to register to vote. Number four, how to use the new Snapchat update. <laughs> if you don't know what that means, ask someone younger than you. 
number three, third most uh, frequently asked question, how to lose weight quickly. There's a theme you'll see in a minute. Number two, how to get rid of brain freeze. And number one, how to lose belly fat. That's what we are searching for, people here in the UK. Belly fat. We search a lot, don't we? But of course, it isn't just internet searching. We are searching all the time for a better bargain, a nicer top, a bigger house, a faster car, a higher pay rise. We're searching for better insurance policies, bank accounts that give us better deals. We're searching for that holiday lo location that none of us have ever been to. We're searching, searching, searching. And of course, they're just the interesting things. Deep down, of course, many of us are searching for more, for fulfillment, for satisfaction, for love, for hope, for a partner, for a child, for that career that will fulfill us. The search goes on and on and on. And so today we begin this series called The Search. And right at the heart of this search is a question that Jesus asks in verse 41. I don't know if you heard it as Kirsty was reading it. This is what Jesus said to the man. What do you want me to do for you? If Jesus asked you that this morning, what do you want me to do for you? what would your answer be? What are you searching for? Because in this passage, there's three very different searches going on, three very different perspectives, and hopefully we'll find ourselves in this story a little bit as Jesus has these remarkable account encounters. And the first search that's going on in this passage is this, a search for a God made in their own image. You see, Jesus is heading towards Jerusalem. His trajectory is one after doing all these amazing things. People are following him, and now his trajectory is towards the cross. And we get this beautiful moment where he explains to his closest followers from verse 31 onwards that we're going up to Jerusalem. And he explains what's going to be happened, that he'll be handed over to the Gentiles, that they'll mock him, that they'll insult him, they'll spit on him, they'll flog him, and then they will kill him. And on the third day, he'll rise. And then we get this brilliant verse 34. The disciples didn't understand any of this. <laughs> Three times it says, its meaning was hidden from them and they did not know what he was talking about. And this isn't the first time in Luke's gospel that Jesus has explained to them what's happening. You're thinking I'm the Messiah. You're thinking I'm here to take over. Let me tell you what that looks like, friends. It looks like a cross. We don't understand Jesus. Why? Because they'd presumed they knew how God should act. They'd presumed they knew what they needed. They were searching for the kind of God that ticked their checklist. Their search was for a God that fitted into their plans and their agenda to overcome the Romans, to reestablish the nation. A God that fitted into my plans delivers in my way at my time with the things I want. If you like, there's a danger for all of us, isn't there? That we're searching for a sort of divine vending machine. <laughs> we choose the options, boom, out pops the chocolate bar. And yet, as one author has very helpfully said, God created man in his own image and man being a gentleman returned the favor. <laughs> 
the disciples quickly discover that God is way bigger than their own agendas, way bigger than the things they have planned, way bigger than their dreams. Tim Keller says a very helpful phrase, if your God never disagrees with you, you might just be worshiping an idealized version of yourself. God's bigger, they're beginning to discover. A Greek Orthodox writer called uh, Nikos Kazantzakis tells a brilliant story, try saying that first thing in the morning, tells a brilliant story about a conversation he has with an old monk. And he asks this monk one day when he's sitting with him, he says these words, do you still wrestle with the devil, Father Macarius? And the old monk reflects for a while and then replied, not any longer, my child. I've grown old now and the devil has grown old with me. He doesn't have the strength. No, I now wrestle with God. With God, exclaims the writer, and you hope to win? No, my child, I hope to lose. The truth is, many of us have this idea of God, this idea of what Jesus should do for us. The search is for God meeting my needs, my agenda. And I guess for some of us, if we're just exploring who Jesus is, we might have come along because a friend's invited us and we're interested in this Jesus, we've got these questions, but we're not quite sure, and it may be that we find ourselves there. We have these things we'd long to be met in our lives, and we're just hoping that Jesus will meet those things. And if not, well, we'll kind of go elsewhere and explore on ourselves. And yet, did you see what Jesus said? Everything that's written by the prophets will be fulfilled. That it'll be handed over to the Gentiles, and they'll kill him and so on. In other words, this is both something that was prophesied long before that Jesus himself predicts will happen in a few hours time. And not only that, it's about real history. Friends, we don't have the option of just hoping that God does things. This is history. God has stepped in. This is not a search for a divine vending machine. This is the God who has come close wouldn't it be a shame not to explore him at least? Explore who Jesus really is, not the ideas we may have picked up in our past. But I guess for many of us here, we follow Jesus, yes. But one of the dangers for us is that we presume we've got our understanding right. I love this cartoon that's doing the rounds on Twitter at the moment, it's brilliant. This is a lecture at a college about churches and Christian movements throughout history and the lecturer says, in amongst all these church events and these movements, so this is where we came along and finally got the Bible right. And somebody in the class very helpfully says, Jesus is so lucky to have us, isn't he? There is a danger, isn't there, that we fit God into our framework. But God flips things upside down, doesn't he? The disciples were seeking a warrior and they got a baby. They were seeking a victor and they got a dead man. They were seeking a God that would destroy their Roman enemy and they got a God who would destroy the ultimate enemy, death itself. A few years ago, a good friend of mine uh, had just become a Christian and he was at a Christian conference with a well-known speaker, probably one of the most influential Christians in the 20th century. 
And this friend who'd just become a Christian not more than a couple of months went up to the speaker afterwards. And it was a brilliant moment because he went up to him and said, excuse me, uh, I disagree with something you said. And the look on this man's face was brilliant as this huge beaming smile came across his face and he uttered the words, thank you. Why? He said, because nobody ever disagrees with me. They all presume I know it all. (laughs) And here he was being questioned and challenged. All of us have more to grow, more to learn, more to know. And maybe, just maybe, sometimes Jesus surprises us. Don't fit God into your image. So can I ask you, when was the last time that you read something in scripture that you wished wasn't there? Maybe just maybe that's a good thing. Maybe just maybe it's questioning us and making us think about what we hold dear rather than what God holds dear. An authentic Christianity, a search for an authentic Christianity will always result in changed thinking. It always will. And that never stops. So they were seeking a God in their own image that ticked their boxes. But more than that, there's this other group. Not just the disciples, there's a group that were searching for an experience that satisfied them. You see, there's the disciples and then as Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And he cries out and those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. There's this crowd following Jesus as well and this blind man wants to know what's going on. And for the crowd, they're just there for the show. They're there for the buzz, for the excitement, the entertainment, the adventure. Jesus is the new show in town. He's putting on a good show. Wow, look at the miracle. Brilliant. And we even get right at the very end what happens when all the people saw it, they also praised God. Fantastic. This is a good deal, isn't it? Lots going on, lots of good things. And yet, flip forward just a couple of pages and we get that same crowd. And what happens? Well, let me read to you from Luke chapter 23. Pilate called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people. And the whole crowd shouted, away with this man. And then verse 35, the people stood there watching as Jesus was crucified. You see, the crowd here are portrayed as fickle. Yeah, they're with Jesus when it's exciting and buzzy and brilliant, and yeah. But yet, very quickly, when it gets tricky or goes a different way, it goes a bit peak-tong in their mind, well, then they just stand back a little bit. Either anti or actually just folding their arms, wanting to see what happens next. And I guess for some of us, it can be easy, can't it, to seek an experience rather than the saviour. An experience may be really good, it may be good to see what God is doing, and yet it's easy, isn't it, to seek sort of a temporary spiritual high, rather a religious adventure, a, 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 a spiritual buzz. And can I say something about my generation here? If you're in my sort of generation or below, I think this is really helpful for us. Because my generation have been brought up in our relationships, in our jobs, 
in with our friendship groups, that it's all good when it's all good. When the relationship's meeting our need, brilliant, fantastic. But yet, after a while, maybe someone over here can do. And the job, it's all good for a while, but actually when there's something better over here, I'll go here. And with our friendship groups, with our houses, with our geography, with our church, with our friends, with our partners, and on and on and on and on. For a while, when it's a temporary buzz, brilliant, but then quickly we move on. And we've never known what it is to actually stick with through the thick and thin. In the words of Eugene Peterson, a long obedience in the same direction. I think this is a huge challenge for my generation. We are a discontent generation so quickly. And it may but not be that we're like the anti-crowd, but it can be easy to be the ones just stood at a distance with our arms folded and just watching. Come on then, impress us then. And so we seek an experience rather than pressing into the real, genuine, risen saviour. And in this, I just want to affirm those who would call themselves of the older generation. Our generation looks at your generation and many in your generation and sees people who have weathered storms, who have been through the thick and the thin, and you may not think of yourself as exciting. You stuck at jobs when they were really hard and tried to provide for those that you care for. And our generation looks at that and aches. Because if we're honest, we know that's not our generation. And yet we see something authentic and beautiful there. And here, the crowd search for an experience and very quickly turn away. May we not be fickle followers of Jesus. May we not be people who search for the experience, but search for Christ. Lord, please do the heart work in us to follow who you, you for who you really are, our saviour, our redeemer, our king, the king who has crowned us with lasting crowns that say beautiful, whole, pure, home. So the disciples searched for a God that met their needs, made in their image. The crowd searched for an experience that satisfied them. But then there's this third search in this passage and the contrast couldn't be greater. There's a search for a rescuer that could genuinely transform. Contrast the crowd and the disciples with this man who is blind. And Luke, the writer, is making it very clear, isn't he? You see, the disciples thought they could see and yet in reality they can't. The crowd want to see, but yet don't. And yet here is this man who physically can't see, and yet by the end of the passage, your faith has healed you. You see, he knows two things. Look at verse 38 and 39. As the crowd are calling out and buzzing past, he calls out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who led the way rebuked him, told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. He knows that he needs help. He's not trying to give advice to Jesus. He's not there for the show. He just needs rescuing. He's humbly on his knees. Jesus, have mercy on me. 
And so Jesus asks him, what do you want? I want to see. He knows that Jesus is the only one that can meet his need. Our generation, we search for things to meet our needs all the time, don't we? There's some research done in America recently about those that had won the lottery. I don't know if you saw this research, fascinating. Seven years after winning the lottery, 70% of lottery winners are bankrupt. It's incredible, 70%. They thought that, wow, this could meet my needs. And then yet, but seven years after, gone. Gone. And this man, this blind man, there's a humility and he's just desperate to search, desperate for help. And I love the fact that the crowd tried to close him down. And so what does he do? What does it say? He shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy. He knows he needs, he's desperate for it. He's a defiant prayer. This came home to me a good number of years ago in a church I grew up in. A guy had become a Christian. It was really exciting, an amazing story. Uh, and he was going for, going for it with Jesus. It was brilliant. And then one evening he came along to the prayer meeting and he'd brought a mate with him. Now, if you know anything about prayer meetings, if you've been around church for a while, you know, if you've got a friend who's interested in Christianity and wanting to explore about Jesus, the prayer meeting is kind of for the family. You know, bring them along to something else, Alpha or whatever it is, but bring them along to the prayer meeting, come on. And so I was there and there was this guy, never stepped foot in his church in, in the middle of people praying. And I felt really uncomfortable and it's clear that he felt uncomfortable. He was sat down, he was kind of not sure what to do, he was shuffling and kind of, you know, not sure, should he put his hands like this and people were going like this and did the shampoo position and all this sort of stuff and some people were speaking, he didn't know what to say and somebody were reading the Bible, then they were singing, he was not sure, he was really uncomfortable. Really uncomfortable. And yet, speaking to him afterwards, you saw that look in his eyes, that he had seen the change in his friend's life. And he was desperate for change in his life. And so he was coming to anything to just find out what this hope was. He was defiantly not fitting in, but I still want to know, tell me about this Jesus. And the same true for this man. He simply knows his need and doesn't let anything or anyone get in the way of him pouring out his heart to his saviour. Desperately, son of David, have mercy. He knows he just needs mercy. And can I say that's why on Friday evening this week, we've got this really important evening. You'll see these little flyers in Outlook as well. A half night of prayer here at Riverside. It's on Friday at Riverside House from 9pm till 1am. And the whole purpose of it is to do exactly what that blind man was doing. Lord, have mercy on us. We're not going to settle. We're going to push in. Don't tell us to be quiet. We're going to go for it. Because there's significant challenges and significant opportunities for us as a church. And we want to pray that more people will come to know Jesus. We want to pray for circumstances and situations within Riverside. We want to pray desperately before our God. Have mercy on us. So please do come along. If you can come for the whole evening, brilliant. Even if you can just come for an hour or two, please do come along as we press on in. Not letting anything, not letting anything get in the way of us pleading with our Saviour. Have mercy. And as I come to a close, 
There is this encouragement, therefore, in this blind man. For those of us in the room right now who are desperately looking for hope, whether you're here because you're wanting to know who this Jesus is and you just need hope or rescue, or or you already know Jesus but you're looking for that hope in your life, whatever it may be, there's a huge encouragement as Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? And then he simply says, receive your sight, your faith has healed you. The act of faith was him simply saying, Lord, I wanna see, please have mercy. There's a huge encouragement for those of us who are desperate right now. Humble pleading is all you need. You don't need fancy words, you don't need strength, you don't need energy. You just need to say to Jesus, please have mercy. Please come and meet me, Lord. And so we're simply gonna do that now. We're simply gonna pray, Lord, have mercy. Please meet my needs. So can I invite you to stand? Please stand if you're able to. Earlier on, we prayed that God would um, speak to us. And as we've been just reflecting on his word, is there anything that, that has resonated with you? Something that has just, yep, connected or something you've felt, that's for me, or just a situation in your life or something you know has really landed? What I'm gonna ask us to do is, I'm gonna ask us if you're, comfortable doing this, if you'd rather not, no, don't worry, but if you are comfortable with that thing in your mind, to simply hold out your hands, if you do that now. And then I'm gonna pray, and then I'm gonna invite us all to simply say out loud those words that the blind man said, son of David, have mercy on me. And then the band will lead us as we respond together and I'm gonna invite the prayer team to then head over there in front of those black curtains and if you'd value prayer either with the person you came to or just head to the prayer team as we continue to respond. So let's be still for a moment and then I'll pray and then we'll simply say, Son of David, have mercy on me. Lord, we're searching for so many things and Lord, we often search in the wrong place. So Lord, we come humbly before you today, just longing for you to step in, to bring healing, to bring wholeness, to bring hope, to bring direction, to bring strength. So let's say these words together. We're gonna say it twice as that blind man did. So son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me.